coming up on Just Elders Podcast. We are back in the studio officially. Let me validate here that the studio has definitely stepped up. I just had the fresh mango spicy salad <laughs> in the studio. Shout out to the uh, director of hospitality. Come on. Celestrial. Come on. <laughs> on. Just Eldridge Podcast is definitely not stuck in a rut. Let me tell you all that now. For those that don't know, can you just give us, you know, the, what is Juneteenth, the history, where it derived from? Yeah. Going to Africa is the entire trip is spiritual. So for me to be a descendant of uh, enslaved Africans. That's the transatlantic enslavement and trafficking of black people. To which the they, don't remember, they don't even know where the scars came from. Yeah. What's the definition of reparations? It's uh, over $83 trillion. There's candy. There's uh, vitamins, and then there's medicine. Our people need medicine, medicine. Yep. but medicine is nasty. nasty. Man, being white must be kind of cool sometimes. We're not knowledgeable of the sin, so we don't value the promise. You can't talk about Juneteenth without talking about reparations. We don't want it tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. We want reparations now. I don't need a holiday. Give me reparations. Ready? Born ready. It's Wednesday. Time for your favorite podcaster's favorite podcast. Y'all do me a favor right now. Turn it up. Just vibe a little bit. Hey, I just got back from the motherland. I'm back from the motherland. Hey, hey, man, when I say the people were beautiful, the land was beautiful, the sisters were beautiful. I had a great time. Just like this podcast, we're going to do it just like this. What's up, family? It's your boy, Eldridge. You are tuned into the Just Eldridge podcast, the hottest podcast to ever hit the airwaves. I'm super excited. We're about to record the greatest episode we have ever recorded. I say it every time, and I mean it every single time. Hey. In uh, South Africa, the only word I remember was yebo <laughs> and that's how you say yeah you say yes yebo <laughs> you hungry yebo <laughs> so, you from america yebo <laughs> that's all the word i remember but everybody said yebo it's like the universal word that everybody knew sound like your boy <laughs> so uh man we're here man first of all we're back we're back thank you everybody that um was tuning in to the episodes uh thank y'all for supporting all of the content but we are back in the studio officially i'm super glad to be back um the trip to the motherland is always good but this conversation is so much more relevant based off of where i'm coming from um today we're going to be having a great conversation about juneteenth 
Um, as you all know, the Juneteenth Dashiki party is coming up this Sunday. You don't want to miss it this Sunday. We're going to be promoting it all throughout this episode. But Sunday, 4 to 8, the Juneteenth Dashiki block party. Then at 9 o'clock, we do the adult only after party. Somebody told me that adult only is emph- <laughs> emphasized real big on the flyer. <laughs> it is. Can we do, we give it something. We, we give it something to everybody, man. During the day, it's free. The kids can come out. They can eat something. But then at night, we really just want us to celebrate around like-minded people who um, understand the importance of the sacrifice that was made and uh, want to just celebrate with us. So, Ooh, so get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. So, hey man, what, what is it about the Africa trip and like the glow, bro? Like everybody come back from the trip with like the glow. I see you got it. I was watching this reality show. The trip, the couple came back. They had it. The babies had it. Man, I was like, damn, is it like it's, it's not even a tan? It's like a glow. You it's know what I'm it's 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 the sun, man. You know, it's the sun back home. It feel different. It's the love of the people. You know, and it's all on who you go with, like what, what, cause you can travel. I believe you can travel to Africa the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you can go to South, especially South Africa. I will admit I was a little apprehensive about going to South Africa. South Africa, there are parts of it that feel like New York. You know what I'm saying? You go Cape Town and you look like you in Midtown with all the white folk that's around. Like you can literally just never experience the people, right? But, if you travel with the right people, they take you to Johannesburg, they take you to Soweto, you know what I'm saying? Even in Cape Town, they'll take you to the townships. I'll talk about that later on in the episode. Like, and you really get to connect with the people, man. And, you know, I was telling somebody, going to Africa is the entire trip is spiritual. From the beginning, from the day you wake up to begin to travel to Africa is spiritual. Cause you gotta realize there were people that were taken from their homes. They were beaten, stripped of their culture, stripped of their dignity, stripped of their pride. And it ain't like the white folks said, y'all can go home when y'all finish. They had no intention of us ever going back home. So for me to be a descendant of uh, enslaved Africans, to even have the privilege of getting on a plane and flying home, that's spiritual. So when you get down and touch that ground, there's ancestors that rejoice because you made it, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about going home. You did. There was somebody that in a time where it would have been easy to just to die. I could imagine just, I'd rather be dead than let these white folk treat me the way they treated our people. You know what I'm saying? I'd rather be dead than to get beat or to stay up from can't see to can't see picking cotton I'd rather be dead, but somebody thought it not Robert to stay alive, to endure, to survive, because one day we ain't going through this. And they had no clue of that. They had no promise of that. There was nothing that said slavery would end. Slavery was just a ongoing state, but they still kept going. And when you think about it like that, Oh, we gotta celebrate Juneteenth. Like this, this is a major holiday. And we're gonna get into it because y'all know me, I always say, uh, I don't have all the answers, but if I don't, I'll find those that do. And these two brothers, I think it's so important to have this conversation with them. 
because we're going to have it in a holistic way. Um, starting all the way to the left, you've seen this brother before, you heard him before. Y'all know my big brother, Parham, also my business partner and co-founder of the Juneteenth Dashiki Block Party. Give it up for brother Parham. Come on, am I live? Am I live right now? I'm back, man. I'm back. back. I'm back, back, baby. You ain't been in this studio, have you? I have not, yeah. and uh, I hope my record still stands, brothers. You know, I did have you top three the yeah. most appearances. Yeah, you at top one three. Point. I think, okay. think Maul, 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 has, Maul okay. has got okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you definitely yeah. top three. Top three. Yeah. You well, destroy let, your Maul. Let me validate here that the studio has definitely stepped up. I just had the fresh mango spicy salad. <laughs> in the studio. Shout out to the uh, director of hospitality, come on, Celestria. Come on, <laughs> come on. just Eldridge podcast is definitely not stuck in a rut. Let me tell you all that now. But now, man, it's a pleasure to be in the house, man. The house has grown. So that means that prosperity is here. It is. And for all the listeners, stay close. Uh, Juneteenth Dashiki Party 22. And I hope that uh, all of your listeners around the world are in tune with Juneteenth. You know, we're going to get them right because, you know, and, and, you know, Parham, a Texas boy. So if if you know about Juneteenth. It's coming out of Texas. So, you know, oh, yeah. he has an appreciation. He really has taught me a lot about Juneteenth, just being around Parham. And that's, we'll talk about the origin, how the party got here. Next, you can't talk about Juneteenth without talking about reparations. Period. It's, it's one that go together. It's like talking about Christmas and not talking about the tree. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it just is what it is. It's one that goes with the other. It's a necessary conversation. It's a conversation that they try to water down. It's a conversation that they try to uh hush us from. It's a conversation that they try to make it seem like it's so far and they bring a lot of confusion around. It. Mm. And that's where we are at when it comes to reparation. There's a lot of confusion. And what I got from South Africa, one of the biggest things that stood out for me was the similarities of the struggles. I did not understand how paralleled the struggle they had during apartheid government and the struggle we're having now we're here in America. Uh, as they got through apartheid government and now they're in, uh, they're in, uh, charge, there's still a lot of confusion around who gets land back. Yep. Land that was just taken. You know what I'm saying? Like us. Yep. Like there's a lot of confusion around it. Oh, well, if we give you the land, currently these farms are being ran by Major farmer, uh, incorporations that give hundreds of jobs. Well, if we give them, uh, land back to the family that ain't never learned, uh, owned a farm, now those jobs are lost and what's good? It's confusion, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This it's, it's something called land leases. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't got to move your farm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's just my land. You know what I'm saying? So I learned a lot while I was over there around the similarities of the struggle and, um, Brother Reginald Muhammad is probably one of the most, um, in my opinion, from what I see, one of the most knowledgeable but freely giving information around reparation, no matter your age, no matter your um, gender. The brother is always in a position to educate and teach our people about what we have, our birthright as descendants and uh, I appreciate you for being here brother Reginald Muhammad please give him a round of applause for him Hi. brother Eldridge 
I am so honored. Stand the mic for me, please. Yeah, I'm honored to be here, brother. And, uh, you know, this is my second round here. Uh, In fact, I see you you have certainly stepped it up, brother. Uh, The studio. Thank you, sir. New equipment. Top of the line. Right down to the modern time. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. Uh, brother, and honestly, brother, it's uh, always an honor to be with you all, brother, because y'all on the ground doing the work, yeah. doing the traveling. Uh, and the bottom line, uh, brother Parham and I uh, are colleagues over at the AU Center, both of us in the doctoral program now. And uh, so it's just it wasn't a coincidence. It's just show you how the spirit is working. I didn't know he was he would be here today and and uh, and uh, he didn't know I was going to be here. Right. But, but brother, we just honored and I'm honored to be here, brother. And, um, anytime we can serve brother and, uh, make sure that our people are on point and clear on the reparations question. That's our job. I can't do what you do, brother. Can't do what he does. He, he does or the sister out there. That's not what I do, brother. It's reparations is what I do. And I'm just honored uh, and privileged and, and grateful that you all would give us an opportunity to, uh, to partner with you all with, along with Juneteenth. So we not only deal with the, the symbolism, the social symbolism of Juneteenth, but where, where's the substance at that will be sustainable, that will make sure that our people are successful for the remainder of the 21st century. Mm. Let's get to it. Um, I seen a post uh, today on Facebook and the guy said, I don't need a holiday Give me reparations. And, and what I had to remind the brother, I said, I feel you. Yeah. I'm reparations now. Yeah. Not, not, not uh, tomorrow, not next week. I'm reparations now all day. But I do want to be clear to the people. They didn't give us Juneteenth. That's right. We created Juneteenth. Absolutely. You know, that was our day. That was our holiday and believe it or not, there has been people celebrating it before Biden said it was okay. Come on, oh, absolutely. Bro. <laughs> teach, teach. And, um, That's a good teaching, brother. And, right. and, um, and I just don't want people to get confused about that. Yep. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not one. I appreciate them giving us a day. I appreciate folks getting, now it's a paid holiday. Now people are able to get out. Hell, if, if they didn't do that, we wouldn't be doing a party on Sunday. We would have to do it on Saturday because folk would have had to get up and go to work on Monday. <laughs> So I understand. Thank when, you, Mr. Biden. <laughs> I understand when, when you when they land, uh, some of us uh, are are in the system, so we got to play play with the system rules. So oh, can, can I ask you a question? I'm get right to it. Like, how do y'all feel about um, you know other cultures celebrating Juneteenth? Like, you know, you have St. Patrick's Day, everybody wears green. You have Cinco de Mayo, everybody go gets tacos. So when Juneteenth comes around, how do we feel about other communities and cultures celebrating, especially those cultures that don't have that many black people around, but it's still a holiday. It's still something to celebrate. How do y'all, how do we, you know, cause I know about Juneteenth and Daishiki and all that before it became national. Now it's national. Now everybody gets to celebrate it. I wanted to know. Where y'all stand on I'm going to let y'all go. I got thoughts, but I'm going to let y'all. Yeah, no, man, you know, just growing up in Texas, as you alluded to, Eldridge, um, you know, we always did it. We always did it big in Dallas, where I was born and raised and across the state where I travel, family in Houston, San Antonio. And so we never missed the mark. And to your question, though, you know, it's great. You know, for me, it's rich because the time we celebrated, nobody in Texas gave a damn except us, you know, white folks, Hispanic brothers, Latino brothers. 
they didn't care. We had our parade downtown and most of the activity took place in South Dallas or Oak Cliff, you know, where black folk resided, especially in the seventies and eighties. And, you know, but we didn't make it to where they couldn't participate. You know, just no damn body ass. Right. You know, so she like you said, Mr. Biden gave him the okay thumbs up. Well, I, I think but we was kicking it with or without him. And I and I think the widespread of celebration of other holidays is due to ignorance. No the average black person, when you say Saint Patrick's Day, what are we really celebrating? Who no, are we celebrating? But that's what I'm saying. It's just a excuse it's, it's to the, go down so, to Savannah and well, that's turn a, up. Well, that's the thing. It's it's through the ignorance. You don't know what it is, right? Yeah. Single de Mayo, do they really know what that is? Yeah. They don't. Not at all. The reason why white people ain't really going to celebrate, they know what Juneteenth is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The world yeah. know what happened to us. The world know what we went through. They know what their ancestors, the sins their ancestors committed. Yeah. So hell no, nah, they ain't about to be widespread out here celebrate. I know I, if I were white, I'm not going to South Dallas. Well, well, no, I, I, well, I, I, well, I say that. I, I asked that. I asked that because, like, I see that there's a celebration. Congratulations! Like, I see that there's a couple of celebrations. Like, I think one was in like Oklahoma, or Indiana, somewhere, and all of the proceeds from that Juneteenth celebration that's being held by a lot of non-melanated people. A lot of those proceeds are going to immigration uh fund and like another fund that has nothing to do with black people. Yeah. But I also know I've been in I've been at HBCU, I've been in the frat and we've thrown a St. Patrick's party. It has nothing to do with any Irish people. Just, and we're keeping the money and we giving it to whatever organization we're giving it to. So like how do we is there a right space to just say that's okay or should we be stomping on that too? I think Juneteenth is, is new now. We the celebrations, the ice cream that Walmart tried to come out with. I think we can like get shut to it. it down. I, th- I think I think what has to happen is the education. What we're doing right now, yeah. because when you really begin to educate what Juneteenth is, and I'm about to pass it to you again, Parham, um, you'll understand the sacredness of this day. And I don't think people understand the sacredness of Juneteenth, the significance of Juneteenth, how powerful it is to us. And how close we have to keep it to us as a people. And when you begin to do that, when something is genuine, it's almost like, it's almost like when you at karaoke, it's some songs you don't let folk play with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you can't play with Whitney Houston. Like, you, you ain't just about to get up there and sing. Like, you're a non-singer. Like, like, don't even touch like, that Bro, song. don't even touch that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we understand the sacredness of what she brought to us in the musical world. And you ain't going to play with our sister because we want to keep the memory of that sacred. Good point. You can play with all the other singers. You know what I'm saying? I don't care about that. But you ain't going to play with it. So, for those that don't know, can you just give us, you know, the, what is Juneteenth? the history where it derived from. Yeah. And the time is opening up, uh, to the world. Uh, definitely it should not be played with because it is a commemoration of a tragedy, uh, that lasted 240 years. And so for those who are not fully informed that in June, 1865, uh, the word made it to Galveston, you know, because two years prior, the Emancipation Proclamation was cast out and uh, executed by Abraham Lincoln's military uh, throughout the South, freeing enslaved Africans. And uh, and and to your point about a land question, which I think Reggie will speak to taking land on land from plantation owners and 
taking it and making it um, government property and then promising that to enslave people in the form of 40 acres and a mule, which is critical to the righteous push for reparations uh, and has to be one of the key components. But two years later, 1865, those enslaved people in Texas and about Louisiana got word, you know, word travels slow. And I'm sure it was intentional uh, <laughs> when you think about it. <laughs> so from white yeah, folks, yeah. word travels slow. And so in June, you know, 1865, word got to Galveston and, you know, the people there erupted in celebration. And so what was important, though, is it was Jubilee for the remainder of the year. And June 19th was just the beginning of Jubilee. And for those who don't know what Jubilee is, it's just a year of celebration or the time of celebration and love. So subsequent to the first year, what's instructive is we immediately began to mark that point in history by commemorating that day as the beginning of Jubilee. And so white folks immediately began to fight against us celebrating in the Houston area within the first 10 years, there were accounts of white folks burning down buildings that were intended to be decorated for Juneteenth celebrations that were coming up. They came through and disrupted the celebrations in its early onset. And so a lot of folks don't really know that part is they immediately fought against anything that would have us have dignity and self-worth immediately. And you can imagine what that was like because the authorities weren't, although we had freedom on paper, right. man, they weren't trying to defend well, us. They were like immediately that. against it. And, 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 and for the people that don't know, t- two years, <laughs> you've been free. It's like working at your job <laughs> and your boss say, you know, everybody get the day off. But you work in the back, so you ain't here. Didn't hear. <laughs> so you working the rest of your shift. <laughs> And you realize everybody was gone six everybody, hours ago. Eight everybody hours ago. gone. Eight, six hours. But look, you still have some more time to go. So when you find out, folks talking about I would have been mad. You glad you I'm off. I'm gone. Like I'm is I'm I'm about to celebrate. This is a real and I want people to understand that that's and I, I'm about to go to you, Reginald, but I gotta just get my frustration off oh, no, about no. June 10th. No, no, we good, brother. <laughs> like, because this is I can admit I grew up with white people. I didn't know about Juneteenth. They didn't teach me about Juneteenth. When I first found out about it, instantly I began to celebrate Juneteenth because I understood like, you mean this was the party that was thrown after we were free from slavery? Yeah. Man, can you imagine that celebration? Mm. Can you imagine all the times where we have party? But we had to make sure we keep it down because we didn't want to mess up Massa, get him mad. Or we couldn't stay up too late because we had to wake up tomorrow and fill up that bag. Or we can't, you know, we can't leave a party too late because somebody catches on the road. We might get killed. Like, can you imagine the first time partying? And then if you've been to the motherland and you've seen how they party. Right. And they super connected to the culture. You know what I'm saying? Cause they remember how they used to party in the motherland. I can only imagine the drums that they brought out. Yeah. That's why at the Juneteenth Dashiki party, we have drums. If you having a Juneteenth party and there's no drums there, you're not for real. You don't understand what this is. Yeah. 
And a lot of people now are throwing parties because, you know, it's, you know, y'all seen the, uh, uh, the fly with Dr. King on it with a do-rag, the MLK twerk parties, like, you know, you're getting the club promoters. Oh, this is a Juneteenth celebration. Like people are doing it because there's money out there now. It's okay to do it now. So a lot of people are about to go out to a Juneteenth celebration, but they about to go to a place that's not giving any context. Any education. Exactly. And you just, now, you just in a club, listen to the same music you would have listened to the week after or the week before. Exactly. There's no context behind the celebration and your ancestors were not honored. This day is to honor the ancestors. I can only imagine celebrating and thinking about, dang, think about how many slaves were killed the week before this happened. Mm-hmm. Think about how many were just lynched. The week before, you know what I'm saying? Like, think about how a month before, like if they would have just one more month, they could have felt this freedom. And you know what's crazy? Growing up, you you made me think of something about um, what was always present at a Juneteenth celebration uh, around South Oak Cliff. It was all it always had something to do first with an acknowledgement of the dignity and pride of being black. That was always first and foremost. Uh, second, it always has something to do with overcoming obstacles. Like you knew that because Juneteenth existed, that you could win. And they didn't, you know, and the elders and adults in the community, they didn't take, they took literal time to tell you that during Juneteenth. And I remember my homeboys and uncles and friends who were older growing up, they would be like, shit, if them white folks ain't giving you off, nigga, I'm taking off Juneteenth shit. Fuck that. Yeah, I ain't going yes. to work. Period. Yeah. And it's way before yeah. white folks even thought about acknowledging it. It was understood. Bro, we off Juneteenth. Yeah. Right. Period. Yeah. And like, I want to point out something. You said it was a day to acknowledge our pride and dignity. This is why we do the Juneteenth Dashiki party. If you know anything about slavery and what they did for us, they purposely our clothes were not fitted. You know what I'm saying? Our clothes, we couldn't wear clothes with pride. That's why, you know, we all about Sunday best. We had to wear our Sunday best to go to the grocery store. Our Sunday best to go, because them folk purposely gave you oversized clothes, rad clothes. Yeah. So I can only imagine. If they gave you clothes. If they gave you clothes. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine being the scholars we were that they took from the motherland when we used to dress in our tribal wear. And if you know anything about the history of the kente cloths and the dashiki print, that is identifiers of your tribes you were part of. Like I can identify where you from. There were different communications that were said. They translated into the quilts. That's when when you start talking about the Underground Railroad, how they communicated in the quilts. There were messages and stories because we have always communicated through our well through our cloth. So the Juneteenth Dashiki part is an opportunity for us to go back to the dignity and the pride of our people dressing how we dress before colonization happened, before we were taught to dress how they dress or wear what they wear. This is what we originally wanted to wear and what we originally designed. That's why it's so important. So I just wanted to get that off. Like, Yeah, man. So anyway, this, you know, and then going forward, because you got to think like, Juneteenth lasted 1865 for 200, almost 200 years without white folks' acknowledgement, right? And so 
it lasted in the bosom of the people. Mm. Right. And so we always had purpose and intent purpose for today, but intent for tomorrow. And so as a kid studying and, and my elders and ancestors and how we kicked it for Juneteenth, it was just that moment, man, where we always stood 10 toes down, you know, especially in the hood. And it was like, yo, we here, we ain't going nowhere. Juneteenth, this is ours. Before Kwanzaa now, Reggie. Yes, yeah. Now we're doing this before and, Kwanzaa. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah. and, absolutely. And I'm about, and I'm about to say that I'm coming yeah. to you right now because, yeah. you know, I always tell people institutions that I think we have to really begin to respect and really acknowledge are the institutions that were birthed from the African American experience. Absolutely. Uh, Juneteenth was one. Yep. Kwanzaa is another. Yep. Those are hours that were birthed from our experience and they should be honored and respected because it's someone that understood the importance and what we needed. So like Kwanzaa, you have the principles. You have all the principles. I ain't going to name them because I don't know how to say Kujijagalia. <laughs> but, but, uh, but that's Kamala Harris's favorite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, but there are principles of, there's the principles of Juneteenth. Yeah. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? And we don't list them out like that, but one of the principles is never forget. Yeah. And, and when you never forget, right, you begin, you never forget the promise that was made to us. That's right. The promise of the 40 acres of the mule. And this is where I'm passing it to you, man. Well, what they owe us. Well, what, one of the things that I wanted to acknowledge, though, too, brother, and what's so valuable about what you all are doing, this is how, brother, putting it in its historic context, and brother Fred is able to do that, you're able to do that to a degree, and bottom line, have a celebration where we can connect the generations now they're coming up Absolutely. the young people <laughs> brother because that's that's where it is and because one of the things that uh dr karinga talks about brother is that his his position has been the last 40 50 60 years that he's been teaching and is that if you want to say there's a problem in the black community nationwide worldwide he'll say it's the culture crisis mm-hmm. and in, in that culture crisis brother bottom line that. is exactly so how do we overcome that by again putting it in this historic context, because sitting here listening to you, brother, every time I sit and listen to you on the, on the Juneteenth piece, we're learning. And so what's what's stay coming in my up? Yeah, yeah. Stay, I know we um, have a conversation. Yeah. But stay right here, exactly. Mic. And what's coming up, though, brother? Now we get a chance to, to to pass it on to the to the next generation, so they don't forget, brother. And that 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 becomes key and critical, brother. Otherwise, it ends up being a, a celebration, and it only be ends up ten years from now. It's only social symbolic right. without any substance. And so we got to have that substance, brother. So I applaud you all for that effort and uh and i guess how that that connects to brother with the reparations piece is that what you're seeing right now brother is is the black petty bourgeoisie and white liberals uh dealing with reparations brother and they're slapping a tag on reparations and everything else like they're doing with juneteenth without any substance and so the black petty bourgeoisie they're pushing this thing well give me my check no, 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 no. We're going, we're going to deal with the land question, brother. As the minister said, if you're not talking, uh, millions of acres of land, eight to 10 states, it's all a compromise and it's a sellout then. If it's, we're not talking about the land question. And so you got major scholars now, brother, uh, black folks who should know better. At the end of the day, brother, they're talking about closing the wealth gap. Well, what about Pookie and Ray Ray and them and Sinead and them who have never been included in the wealth? 
of America. Right. How do you, how do you, so it's not about just the wealth gap, but that land question has to be dealt with. And so going back to what, what brother, brother Parham talked about, brother, remember blacks now operating on less than 2 million acres of land. And by early 1970, we were controlling over 15 million acres of land. And so what, and how, why is that important? And why is that significant? Well, brother, on the average, on the average, you need one acre of land to feed one person per year. Each of us, uh, and so if there's 45 to 50 million black people in Damn. America, Damn, you see, dude, right brother, there. do you see how how yeah. far off we are on the land question? We're yeah. operating on less than two million acres of land today. So anybody talking reparations, if it ain't complete reparations, brother, it's political and economic patch. What's the definition of reparations for those out there? Because most people just think it's the check, and then some people think. Donald Trump gave us reparation with the stimulus check. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're right. You're right. You're right. So, well, well, brother, some of them PPP. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's the that's the official definition. Of well, well, brother, and, and thank you for that question because one of the things that that is, is that's been problematic throughout the reparations movement, and one reason why we have not been taken serious. And let let me go back because you, you you asked that question. Let, let's go back since we mentioned Dr. Karinga. Here's what Dr. Karinga says. The struggle for reparations begin with the definition of the horrendous injury to African people, which demands repair. To talk reparations is first to identify and define the injury, to say what it is and what it is not, and to define that nature and its impact on the injured. Unless this is done first and maintained throughout the process, there is no case for reparations, only an incoherent set of claims without the basis in ethics or law. That's Dr. Karinga. So we go over to page one. Um, and let's clearly define reparations because brother, that if, if you get a hundred people, uh, that will come to the, to the, uh, the Juneteenth celebration, you might get a hundred different incoherent answers about reparations. So we had to clarify that brother, um, complete reparations, the process by which a nation is provided with the means to repair, restore their condition, achieve complete decolonization and make themselves whole through the ability to self-govern, self-sustain, self-defend with their own independent land mass, economy, education, culture, and high civilization. That's complete reparations, brother. And so, and at the end of the day, um, brother, what that means is that we just, we got to go back to what y'all said initially. We got to continue to educate our people. And brother, we got a beautiful generation. Minister Farrakhan said, you are the best generation we've ever produced. And at the end of the day, we gonna get it. We gonna lock it down. We gonna secure it. Oh, but it, it, but we gotta we gotta come with the roadmap, though, brother. If you tell me, uh, brother, in order for you all to build this nice studio you here, you had it. First off, it came about in your mind. You looked at it and said, okay, now what's how do we do this? What equipment we go, we gonna need? What's the expenses logistically? How do we put together a plan to build a studio? If you're building a high rise downtown Atlanta and you're talking about you you building a high rise, the first thing I'm gonna ask you, where's your blueprint? Where are your formal plans? Because if you don't have that, you're just talking. Right. And right. so, and at the end of the day, we had to have a blueprint finally for reparation. There are hundreds of books on reparation, thousands of pages, but nobody had to have a blueprint. Where's the right. model and the methodology you're going to use? And so that's what we were able to do with the declaration. And, yeah, first. talk to, tell the people what this is right here. Well, the declaration, uh, we were blessed, brother, uh, to write the declaration. And it's the first time, like I said, in 100 years that we had finally had a blueprint uh, a, a, a framework to spell out reparations. All the organizations that I'm a beneficiary of, uh, Brother Eldridge, I have, um, uh, worked 
with and set at the feet of the great reparationists and leaders in the black community. But at the end of the day, we had not had a blueprint. We had not had a framework. What does it look like? And um, that's why the enemy knew we weren't ready for reparations uh, because we had not developed that. And so what we were blessed to do recently, Dr. Ray Wimbush writes the forward uh, for the declaration because his thing is he's considered really the, the one of the living deans of the movement now is that uh, he said in all of his 40 years of work, he had not come across a better calculation than we had provided uh, in the declaration um, out of the hundreds of books that are written on reparations that are out there now, thousands of pages. He, he thought we had, we had built, uh, provided the best um, quantification or calculation for reparation. What's the, what's, what is that calculation? It's uh, over $83 trillion. And, um, and now most of that is not money, but the eldritch, a lot of that deals with that land question too, because land is about independence, food, clothing, and shelter. How are we going to manufacture? How are we going to feed ourselves and sustain ourselves for the remainder of the 21st century? That's the land question. Yeah. Cause to me, just, just kind of jumping in there, yes, um, you know, you can't fully celebrate and practice Kwanzaa yeah. without reparations, man. You yeah. think about self-determination. Yep. How you going to do that shit? And you ain't got no money. Right. You ain't got no <laughs> land. You ain't got no car. Right. Yeah. Cooperative economics. Yep. Ujima, yep. Ujima. How you gonna do any of that shit if you ain't standing on nothing? Right. Uh, or if you ain't got nothing to stand on. Yeah. So for me, you know, reparation supersedes the Kwanzaa fullness, the fullness of practicing Kwanzaa. Oh, absolutely. Right. You yeah. know, uh, we limping, you know, but we holding it down yeah. with our Kwanzaa celebration, but we limping, yeah. you know. So I, th- I think when I was in South Africa, um, Again, I keep saying it's a great trip because it was, but one of the biggest things that I really enjoyed was just learning more about the Soweto uprising. Mm, yeah. And um, like I said, I knew a lot of stuff, but I didn't get the details that I got while I was out yeah. there and just the involvement of the young people. Yeah, right. And I feel like where we are losing in the reparation movement, y'all tell me, because y'all been in the way longer than me, is our young people are so disconnected. Oh, from the promise oh, absolutely. that was given us, it's some young people that'll tell you, man, well, I, I don't feel like I deserve reparation. Yep. Like literally, they don't even feel like it's, yep. they ain't do nothing for it. They feel like I ain't work for it, so why would they give me a check? You know what I'm saying? Like, and, yeah. and now white people have found a way to make you feel like reparations is welfare. Like, oh, I need absolutely. to go work for it. I need to go work for something like, so what I'm begging them folk for money for it. You know what I'm saying? And that's because it's the disconnection yeah, of the movement. Yeah, and every movement. We can't name one. But what that's the you? yeah, no, I was just gonna that's Without the full that effect. Support. Yeah, that's the full effect of the ignorance of our history. Is yeah. what you're describing. when a person who's been battered and bruised feel like they don't deserve, you know, repair. Mm. Is because shit, they don't know the extent to which the battle remember. Happened. They don't even know where the scars came from. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And yeah. that's the thing. They don't remember or know where the scars came from. And, you know, that's the, that's the whole thing of Juneteenth. That's how exactly. you can hear about Juneteenth. Oh, that was when they celebrated the, the uh, freedom of slaves. And then I got something in. to do that day. Oh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's it. You so disconnected. Yeah. yeah. From what your people went through, you know, and, and, and this is the thing. 
being white, man, that's why we talk about white privilege. Man, being white must be kind of cool sometimes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Let, let, oh, yeah. let's just talk about it. I mean, clearly, like, nigga, you don't see Clarence Thomas breaking his neck to be a white man? Like, <laughs> like, I mean, if you, I mean, I was, you know, and that's why we talk about, you know, consciousness, because you, you start seeing everything, right? Mm-hmm. But I think about cartoons as a kid. All the strongest heroes, Superman, all these people are white. Yep, yep. I'm talking about like as a kid, yep. the best characters are white. Right. Then I'm raised up in church. One of if I'm identified as a Christian, one of the most perfect examples of a man to ever walk the earth is white. Yeah, right. So then I start, you know, everything you see, yeah. white people. So they got they walk around with a that's why white people walk around they, with a level of audacity. Yeah, a right. caucasity, yeah. <laughs> you know, to try you or to try anybody, but they, exactly, yeah, yeah. they have been taught. Yep. They have been taught that, uh, they are, yep. they, this is their birthright. Yep. You know? They the standard. Exactly. So if you're never taught about it when you're young, yeah. you know, I was telling somebody the other day, you can literally go from being black as a, as a hell of an experience. Cause you can go from, pre-K to college, depending on what you study and never learn nothing yeah. about yourself and be successful as hell. A little bit of King, yep. yeah. you know, tad bit of Rosa. Yeah. You That's might cool. hear Frederick. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They'll demonize, demonize Malcolm yep. and civil rights, Malcolm. Yeah. yeah. Like, like you won't hear nothing about yourself. We'll try to make Malcolm gay. And look, they do that. and then look, check this out. So if I don't know the history, I ain't mad. I ain't mad. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, the, the way I always put it, you know, if you see, if your whole life you wake up and you walking to school, okay. your school 10 miles away, you walking every day. But the white people, they drive. Driving the bus. Yeah. They drive by. But all you know is walking. They're like, why am I walking? You know, this guy's, that's what we do. We walk. Exactly. <laughs> and you just walking yeah. your whole life. Then one day you just start asking people, hey, why am I walking? I don't know. Cause your daddy told me to walk. Yeah. Uh, why you walk? When you go to your daddy, why you walk? I don't know. Cause my daddy told me to walk. Yeah. Then you get all the way to the end and they say, well, I walk cause that white man stole our car. But look, that's reparation. Oh why are we poor? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why do we lack education? Why do we not own land? Because that white man stole that shit. Yeah. And we, we not connected and we not, we're not knowledgeable of the sin. So we don't value the promise. Well, that's, that's good, good point, brother. Can, can, can I ask y'all this thing? Because yes, based on what you just said, then how do we, and what advice do you give the young black people? Like how do you balance it, right? How do you balance the entitlement of the reparations that's owed, but you do have to move forward? It's kind of like in real life when somebody owes you some money, right? Yeah. You, yeah, you want it. You need to get it. You going to fight for it, but that don't stop current bills and everything Absolutely. going on. So how do you balance go going back, forward? It go and, back to the education because if I if I educate you on the sin, I have to educate you on the people they committed the sin on. And our people have always worked. Yeah. Our people have always built. 
So whenever you see somebody not building, not working, it's probably somebody that don't have a knowledge of self. It's why what we do with this party is so important because we understand there's different things. Some people need, some people want candy. Mm -hmm. There's candy, there's uh, vitamins, and then there's medicine. Our people need medicine. Medicine. But medicine is nasty. Nasty. Medicine nasty. Sometimes medicine is expensive. You know what I'm saying? Vitamins are not required. You know what I'm saying? Vitamins is that person that's picking up that book yep. and got them doing it on their own because they want to they yeah. want to get healthy. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the candy. Yeah. The candy is that fake symbolism shit. Yeah. The can- I can't get the gummy vitamins. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Mr. Candy with the- yeah. eat all them in one day. <laughs> and look, look, they can, look. So here's the thing: like that candy is these fake black excellence events. That's not really educating you on what real black excellence is. Black excellence ain't half the shit you see on BT. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Oh, this person won a a, a Grammy, oh, and the album I mean, ain't nothing but trash against our people. Which yeah, right. because it had a big party here in Atlanta that was supposed to be the quote unquote black elite P from QC. Yeah, that was supposed oh, to be the black, black elite. Black like the who's who everybody, in Atlanta, everybody, everybody in there. But are we in the putting poison in our people? Yeah. Right. All the music is trash. Right. None of it is acknowledging the ancestors you stand on. Yeah. None of it is acknowledging the history. Right. That's the candy that our people get. Yeah. And we wonder why we're walking around with cavities. So and what's the brother happened? that does give it to you, he's point. in Ghana. Huh? Yeah. I'm saying the brother that does give you the medicine, he's in Ghana. He's not even at the party. I was going to ask Reg, do you think there's a unity of uh, in, in your work? Is there a unity of a reparations demand across the, the African diaspora? Uh, like to include the Caribbean and where oh, Eldridge just it left. Is, it is. And, um, and let me speak to that and let me go back to the important point that y'all raised, brother. Once we, um, in a significant way, our youth start to understand and are grounded in reparations, brother, we, we get that, uh, in the next four to five years. This ain't, this is not a, this is not a 20 year process. Mm. There are people in Florida, even my mother says, uh, well, you know, Y'all get reparations, but it won't be in your lifetime. See, brother, that thinking is because when you have a people who have been historically and socially isolated, they think that way. But at the end of the day, brother, I'm sure of that the reparations question will be decided based on will it help or hurt their power base, their profit base, their policy base and privilege base. Because the ruling class, brother, this is how they make all their political decisions. It ain't based on us protesting. It's not based on us uh uh, um, marching. It's not based on us complaining and, pr- and with prayer breakfasts and and um, and uh, us arguing with them. They make all of their political and economic decisions. Will it help or hurt their 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 power base, their profit base, their policy base, and privilege base? Prove that real quick. Uh, the first stimulus package within two weeks, brother Parham. Within two weeks, the um, the Senate and the House, liberal and conservative had agreed that if we're going to put $2 trillion in the economy immediately. Why? Because the white ruling class and at the international level say, you know what? I don't give a damn what y'all do. We got to stimulate the economy right now. And because the uh, Wall Street bankers are starting to be ill-affected, get some damn money into the economy right now. So within two weeks, they'd have moved $2 trillion. So we we can get the reparations when our youth say, you know That's what? Right. Hey, 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 here's what's going to happen here. Well, you know what? Next week, next year, you'll see your decline in uh, people enrolling in the military. 
uh, in uh, uh, signing up for the military. That drops 12 percent. Uh, black people uh, next year, young people say, you know what? We're pulling all our money out of the damn uh, Wells Fargo Bank and Bank of America. We're finding black banks. They bring their ass to the table. You start to ill affect their power base. And, 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 and enough of the athletes, ball players, and entertainers, and especially our youth, when they say, you know what? I got, I understand what complete reparations is now. I understand how we're going to benefit from it now. That's when, brother, we're assured that we're going to get reparations. And that's the missing component. I like what you said. So that's why it's so valuable what you all do every day, brother. Yeah. Uh, and even allowing us a platform because you are able to reach thousands of people, tens of thousands of people, millions of people that we won't reach, brother, because you integrated the technology. Now you speak the language of them and you connected to it. And then, you know, the history. And the, the reason why I can I talk about this with so much confidence again. Yeah, I came from all white. I mean, I'm talking about real white. Real white, there's fake white people and there's real, real white, white people. people. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I came from real white people. Yeah. Brother Elvis, you know, I and, understand and, that, brother. And, but the thing yeah. is, what I tell people, Overstand. connection brings conviction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got connected to the brothers of Let Us Make Man and my conscious brother community, my conscious community, the conviction for my people came alive. Yes, sir. And right Absolutely. now, there's right. no, there's a very large disconnect of young people. So that conviction is not there. Yeah. You're not convicted yep. to fight for education yep. until you begin to get connected on why the importance of us being uneducated is to the system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Once you connect to that, your conviction of education goes to a whole nother level. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so there is a disconnect. And the reason why. I'm so passionate about this party. And, and probably we can be transparent. The first time we ever made money on this party was, was that last, last year? year? Last year. We have lost yeah. <laughs> on this party. You know, it's an old school song to say it hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feels so bad. <laughs> hey, look, because, yeah. because it's not about yeah. making money. Yeah. It's about really if I can use this one platform, yep. you know, we got, we do something, what we call, we're doing something this year, what we call the, uh, while we celebrate, uh, cards. So when you walk in, you'll get a card and it'll be of an ancestor that you don't know. Okay. You know, Good we point. all know about the Frederick Duck, but it's going to be an ancestor, but it's going to be, you get to read the bio almost like you go to a funeral and you read an obituary, you learn more about that person. Yeah. You get the, this is why you celebrate it. Yes, sir. So throughout the party, everybody had different cards because I want to connect you to this person. If it was not for that person doing what they did and they staying did. diligent to what they did, they brought you here. You know what I'm saying? Yes, they sir. got us to where we are now. We're just doing this to educate because if I can just spark, I know what happened when somebody pointed me to the rabbit hole. Somebody just pointed me in the right direction. Oh, I crawled right. up in yeah. there yeah, and my eyes were open. I was connected and then my conviction to my people came alive. A lot of us have no connection. A lot of us uh, on the other side of it is, you know, I don't need representation because I'm getting money. I'm doing my own thing. And you can be getting money all day. It's not enough for one of us to make it. You know what I'm saying? We all got to make it. And that's where conviction lies in. When you get people in in the mindset of, shit, I'm getting paid. I'm straight. We good. Until you get, when you get really connected with your people, it's hard to have that mindset. You know what I'm saying? Africans, our, our instinct is not I, me. 
Right. You know what I'm right. saying? It's right. we right. us. Right. Our instinct, everything has been around our family unit and our community. And I say this for you go. Like when I was in South Africa, we went to a, a township, what they call the townships, and just the history of the township, these were like where men could come, men who were working the mines and stuff, they would come live here. But like they were like two, three bedrooms with eight men in it. Mm-hmm. Eight men in these exactly. two uh three bedrooms. Laying on top of each other, but they're there with the work. And the only thing they made they made sure was common. Y'all spoke the same language and y'all were working at the same site. That was the only commonality between okay. the men and the townships. Years passed by, they start letting the men bring their families. Okay. So these eight men are bringing their wives and their children. children. Whether you got one, the four kids. So now these townships, there are three to four families living in three bedroom apartments. Okay. Like literally, then they say the kids slay in the common areas on the floor. The adults are in the back. It's no privacy, but because it's community, they make it work. Yep. Y'all, when I say this was the hood, like if this neighborhood was in Atlanta, you wouldn't drive slow in it. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't stop at stop signs. This is where, because everybody was seeing it, and they, and they take these township tours so you can see where the people are, and the government are now kind of like mm-hmm. making new housing mm-hmm. situations, trying to get exactly. people out of there. There's people on the wait list, but a lot of a lot of people that were with me were mad because you see how the people are living and you're angry. This is what I saw. So we walked up in the house and dude just because they were literally taking us in one of the apartments. I said, he just walked in there. I was like, you ain't you don't need to knock. He was like, no, nah, I don't got to knock because they know I'm coming and we don't lock doors here. Yeah. We don't lock doors here because everybody know everybody. So I'm talking about when you outside, everybody outside. I can show you I got GoPro footage. Yeah, These folks yeah, yeah. on the grill. Yes, sir. Yeah, drunk uncles. They offer me something to drink. Yeah. They got the gospel music playing. Yeah. You got little babies running in and out of the house. You got Tina, like the whole neighborhood. Everybody know everybody. Community. There's no crime. Yeah. But they had each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like they literally had like the unity of it was so beautiful. They had that. So now we live in neighborhoods where our kids got their own rooms. Yeah. We yeah. got space. Yeah. Bro, we don't know the person beside us. Yeah, exactly. We live in apartments, don't know our neighbors. Like yeah. we so disconnected. I'm saying that to say we have assimilated to the Europeans behavior so much yeah. that that's how disconnected we are. We I don't, agree. we don't really love each other. Exactly. Absolutely. Because if we love each other, we wouldn't be as scared as we are of each other. Well, well brother, the point that you just making, but you, you, you talking about and what you were able to see firsthand in Azania, they scratched the name and took the name off of it. And now it's South Africa. But if what you saw in Azania, brother, is that, that sim, uh, that ancient, African communalism that we used to practice throughout the continent before we were decolonized uh, and, and, and suffering from neocolonialism now. But that was the African communalism that Dr. Theophile Bangada, uh, Dr. Sheikh Antajok, all of them described, uh, doing that, that was, uh, permeated in, in a foundation throughout the continent of Africa. And so you got a chance to see, 
a lot of that, brother. But going back to what you just said, what you see now in us in America, and it's, it's not our problem. It's the result of our problem. It's the worst in European culture and behavior is what you're talking about. So now we it's individualism. It's the greed. Right. It's I got it. And, you know, and I hear that all the time. I was doing the book signing uh, this week at um, Nubian Books. Um, uh, we did uh, Tosili's. Uh, then we read Madhu books last Sunday and, and not every time I've, I've done a book signing and even at the Malcolm X festival, well, well brother, I, I did this and I did that. See, where's the collective here? Right. See, we talk about the masses of our people when you're talking about reparation. See, capitalism teaches individualism. Right. It'd be like all um, brother Eldridge, it would be like a hundred people trying to go through that, that one door at one time. That door is probably three and a half feet wide. Well, some people are going to be crushed on one side of us, all of us try and go through that at one time. Some of them are going to be left on the other side and, and, um, and others will have to remain. And if all of us attempt to go through that door at one time, somebody's going to be crushed. Somebody's going to be left behind. That's capitalism, brother. At the end of the day, capitalism calls for a level of unemployment under oh, yeah. the development. That's right. It's a tier system. And so this is why we have to, we have to go back. And, 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 and that's why we ultimately have to separate, brother, and do our own thing, brother. We have to have our own land that we're controlling because what you'll see naturally, we will do what you saw in, in, in Azania, uh, in your visit there. You start to see us start to do that. And you start to see that a little that's bit right. in our communities now. Because right. um, the brothers that know each other in the hood, yeah. they're going to drink out of the same bottle sometimes. Uh -huh. They're going to pass the same bottle along with each other. Outside, exactly. And, and absolutely. So you see that all over the world because by nature, that's who we are. But you a, see a, it. A, 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 a collective thing. Yeah. Yeah. You see it. You see it at the bottom of us because that's right. Yeah, when you at the bottom, that's yeah, right. All you got is each other. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, 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 and it's, and I said this to uh, Keith. I was like, as much as I hated COVID, and people know how much I lost during this pandemic. Yeah. The pandemic forced us to look at each other. Yeah, yep, that's it right. It that's forced it. us to have to think about, you know what? I got to work. You got to work. Yeah. We might need to figure out a system where when I'm off, my kids can do oh, their yeah. own schooling with you. Absolutely. Like right. we had, we were forced, forced to do yeah. exactly to do to. with each other. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And and sometimes that just happens. Yeah. But like. Yeah. I think ultimately the reason why um I was so attracted to this opportunity when Parham, shout out to Champ, our other uh business partner, um, allowed us to, you know, and I just want to thank y'all publicly, like, cause most people don't know the June team Dashiki party is three people, you know what I'm saying? It's me, Parham, Champ. But like they let me like really just run with it. Like I'd just be I'd be bringing anything. They'd be like, okay, let's try it. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate yeah. I appreciate, you know. Y'all being much older, much wiser, much more knowledgeable of what Juneteenth is, and y'all still let me guide it, and I appreciate that. Because you got to grow it. We got to grow it. You know, yeah. if, if you're wise, then you know that your hand ain't the only hand that's going to make it grow. Exactly. And it got to keep growing even beyond yeah. your lifetime or beyond your knowledge or beyond your connection. That's right. So for me, the Juneteenth celebration – you know, it's bigger than me. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to take it forward. Then somebody going to have to take it off your hands Yeah. yeah. at some point. It is, young Wolves. But look, I had a question because uh, we can't talk reparations without what happened in California. Um, okay. Are you, have you been abreast to what happened in California? I think the first, one of the first in the nation yeah. reparation States. boards, exactly. boards. Um, and it got voted five to four, I believe, lineage based. Yes. So it's not just 
oh, if you black, no, you have to be uh, descended of an enslaved, yeah, um, or free black black yeah. person. Um, where, what are your thoughts on that? Um, um, one of the most problem and one of the most tragic responses that we could have done was demonstrated in California. Let me let me tell you why. The problem was is that ADOS. American descendants of slaves, whatever they want to call themselves, or uh, foundational black Americans. What they did, brother, they pushed up on me, and I'm not talking what I don't know, because I'm one of the consultants of the whole California piece. Of the nine um, representatives on the task force there, four of them I've had ongoing dialogue with for for a number of months, and they all have a copy of the declaration. Okay. And even before they voted. But here's what they did, brother. ADOS was all over them out there. The ADOS infection was mm-hmm. all over the task force out there and pushed them and made them vote on a lineage base. But why why was that problematical? Because they had not done any research, brother. They had not done any surveys how what the results of that would be. But that whole lineage base thing comes from, brother, the black petty bourgeoisie. That is not those who have been on the ground, like Dr. Omar Obadeli, Dr. Karinga, a host of Queen Mother Moore, all the hosts of the, the people that you know in the reparations movement today uh, with NCOBRA, um, um, National African-American Reparations Commission, and a slew of black organizations, brother. That was not their position. And see, the tragedy of that, that brother, is that they said, okay, lineage-based. So they do this, what they have done, brother, and the results is going to prove this is that they have eliminated a sizable black population out there that deserves reparation. They say you got to go prove lineage. Well, how you, but how you, how you do that if you have, uh, for 300 years, it's against the law for you to even read and write. And now for the, you got to have the resources to be able to go back and track and prove that you, you were part of the lineage. Now you and I live here in the South. Uh, I can go back and prove to a degree, uh, that I was on a plantation because if you go to shorter Alabama, um, where my, uh, where, um, some of my ancestors was on the, on the, um, on the plantation in short Alabama, mm-hmm. that's named after the whole cracker down in, um, down in, uh, Alabama, mm-hmm. the shorter, uh, shorter college, all of that's mm-hmm. named after plantation owner mm-hmm. who owned thousands of slaves and made his fortune off the enslavement of our people. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with the lineage piece is that Brother, Brother Eldridge, they did no study prior to coming to that conclusion. In fact, they voted. That was the first thing that the task was voted on is who was eligible. You had not done any research. You had not gathered any empirical data. You had not looked at any surveys. Now, where Negroes do that at? All the Negroes out there with damn degrees. And you can't go to nobody's college or graduate school, undergraduate school, if you haven't done the research first to come to your conclusion. And so... So they pushed up on uh, whether it was Rain, uh, Reverend Amos Brown out there, who's a longtime member of the of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, the um, attorney uh, holder who heads the committee. But uh, I was told by four people on the um, on the uh, task force, Brother Muhammad, uh, Professor Muhammad, they these people at us have threatened us. They they have they have uh, come to our house. They come to show up on our jobs and they're, they're pushing us to do the lineage base. So finally they squeeze enough people and they get uh, a five to four vote. 
It's nine nine uh, representatives uh-huh. on the task force. And the problem with that now, what they're realizing is that you've eliminated a huge segment of black people that deserve reparation because California, there was never any enslavement in California oh, okay. to that degree. So they're looking at those who have been redlined out. Properties have been taken and everything. Mm-hmm. But now you got to be able to prove that uh, um, based on documentation. Where do those rules and regulations can come from? Segments of the white uh, conservatives and 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 the uh, and the white liberals. Can you explain, yeah. like, because uh, people don't know understand that riff in the reparation movement between Ados and you know and uh, Cobra. yeah and Cobra. Like, people don't understand who they are. All they know because this is what it is on a yeah, surface okay. level. Okay, on a surface level, they saying you only getting it if you a descendant of a slave. So if you African, you ain't getting it. Yeah. And hold on, the- hold on, hold on, no, no, no. Yeah. No, no, no. What's happening is in America, yeah. right? For Americans, mm-hmm. right? Formerly yeah. in formerly enslaved people should get reparations from descendants of the slaves or the freedmen who were freed you know, during exactly. that slavery time. But I think the issue is who else should get reparations in America if not descendants of slaves? Well, see, that's where the problem was. That was only one variable that they used. They could have used that one variable, but at the end of the day, there are different layers to reparations and different layers to the injury. And I'm suggesting too, that's one layer, but brother, when you're talking about uh, black people, even if they came here after the enslavement of our people, brother, there has been a massacre of black people. Their land has been taken. It would be like, uh, and let me simplify it. If there's a wreck on 285 where where there are totals where people lost their lives, then there's a then there's a wreck on on Abernathy that well, was a fender bender. We know you don't get the same amount of money and the same amount of damages if you had the same wreck. If one had the wreck on 285 and one had one the wreck on Abernathy, was which was a sin. fender bender, right. but still they deserve to be be compensated. And so what those in ADOS has said is that uh, in ADOS is the acronym for American Descendants of Slavery. And what they have done, brother, come to the movement and started a fight in the movement. They just jumped on the damn bandwagon five years ago. Yvette Carnell um, uh, had always aligned herself with conservative organizations. That's where the funding came from initially. Mm-hmm. And so they knew the reparations was coming mm-hmm. because they see HR 40. So what they have done, brother, is funded. And some of them are government agents. And I'm not just saying that, but people in the movement know this. Brother, they show up everywhere. They have threatened uh, Dr. Ray Wimbush to the degree that they, he they aggr- I ain't got a lot. They're aggressive. Oh, oh, yeah. One of them came up on Bozeman. Oh, yeah. When we was, uh, and, and, when we and did the Yeah, I, I see. I think, but, but, and, and but, but yes, I, think they're, I think they're mixing it in. Just, just, just an education piece, right? Yeah. Ados is a political movement. Yvette Carnell and them, they oh, were, they were subjugated to the Democratic Party, Republican. Oh, they, absolutely. They, they went over there right there, right? Now, when it comes to foundational black Americans, yeah. that's just a designation of like, well, it's not a group though. It's supposed to be okay. just lineage based, but okay. I think the group that y'all are referring to that, the, the, that's that, uh, secure the tribe. Okay. They consider themselves foundational black Americans, but that is, Secure the tribe is the group of it. Yeah. See, foundational black Americans, that's supposed to just be like, if you call yourself a Latin American, Irish American, hey, I'm not from Africa because my people were descendants of slaves. They don't want to consider themselves. It's like black people who don't want to be called black because it's a color. That's just a exactly. way of thinking. But the people that y'all are talking about, that secure the tribe, the young people who are just ignorance on fire a little bit, you could say, yeah, because okay. they just okay. want to keep, I, I think the, 
and I'm glad we're having this conversation here because I, I do think that's where the reparations might fall apart only because how the way, the way you're explaining it, I think that nobody in, because you've done the research, right? Okay. And I've heard this from you before, but I, this is why I always ask you, like, how do we get you on that national platform so people can hear the, the layers of it? Because yep. yeah, it is one layer and that's secure the tribe is they're so serious about no. The first layer of reparations needs to go to descendants of American slaves and freedmen who had their land stolen, who was abused and all that. But, but that's the where next, they stopped, brother. They put a period there and the, say nobody else deserves reparations. But I'm going to tell you yeah. why they put the period. Okay. And, and, I'm, and I'm just going to explain okay. this part because I feel like that's where the breakdown is. They put the period because exactly. a lot of times it seems as if our brothers and sisters from across the pond, from that that weren't born in okay. America, they get to come over, okay. right? Reap some of the benefits of foundational Black Americans who were fighting, and not just foundational Black Americans, okay. but some of those brothers and sisters like a Marcus Garvey who wasn't born in America but yep. came to America because of the spirit yep. that's here for the fighting, right? Oh, okay. so when you don't have, if, if you're not like on a Marcus Garvey level, if you're not on that level as far as being an immigrant, you just coming here. Yeah, on top of some of the immigrants that come. And align themselves with those Republican parties and look down on black Americans because if I can come here with nothing and bring my family and Nigerians or this and, you know, Latin Afro Latinos and this and all, yeah. how come you black people can't? And it's like, well, hold on, hold on. Like you're saying, okay, there was a time in the past where I believe all of those people knew that they were black. Yeah. They treated like they were black. Yeah. But because of this white supremacy system that we're in, these crackers have figured out, look, if I could separate some of these people and like they did with Willie Lynch. If I could exalt some of these people Absolutely. and put some of these people down that I can keep the infighting. So well, now well, that we have a chance to receive something right at any time, there's a chance to receive something. It always seems as if the people who are the descendants of the slaves are the last to get for what we fight for. Well, brother, but, but see, here, here's, here's the, and, and I understand what you're saying. And I've had several conversations. I've even been uh, interviewed by Edos on several podcasts. And my question to them, show me where there's an organized body of African people or Caribbean people in America attempting to take, uh, take reparations from blacks in America does not exist. Number one. So Caracom, they're very clear in the Caribbeans. And cause see, that's the part of the argument. CARICOM is in the Caribbeans. They organize and they focus on certain European countries that owe them. And I, and I and was so, just about to ask you so, about CARICOM. So yeah, why is it in the United States? Why aren't we part of CARICOM to get the fight? Well, well, here's the deal. There are some of us in alignment with, with CARICOM because the, uh, maybe about six, seven years ago at the Walter Rodney conference here in Atlanta at the Atlanta University, University Center, there it was a section on CARICOM and the brother who's one of the founding members was there and we have connected those of us in the reparations movement brother whether it be in cobra nation of islam the black united front uh, a host of organizations in our we are in alignments with them and i'm suggesting to you again and i challenge everybody from from ados and um foundation black americans uh because they they have created a problem that didn't exist and that's how you know it's government involved why is it that there are now 10 criterias for blacks receiving reparations when the japanese have gotten reparations here the jewish people have gotten mm-hmm. reparations the native people have gotten here mm-hmm. and now we got all these criterias now here's what i'm saying first off black people uh with until you had a framework you wasn't gonna get anything anyway so first off implement 
implement a plan, do the studies first, because there are some some um, um, Africans who will have to be eliminated. But first off, you got to do look at the demographics. You got to look at where, where the populations are. And again, there is no organized body of African people in this country today. You won't bring me 10 of them who are saying, you know what? Uh, blacks gonna get reparations. I'm gonna be a part of that and they, they're gonna give me my reparations too. There's no people from the Caribbean that are doing that. So how you created a fight? You come, you just got on the bandwagon, Yvette Carnell and them five years ago, uh, 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 Sandy Darity at, uh, people are calling the blueprint, um, his book, um, from here to equality, a 416 page book. They're saying that that's the blueprint. He's all that is ADOS. But again, it's backed by white people, brother. The, you asked about the California Commission. Let me tell you another variable. They go get, brother, two white economists, and they decided what reparations is based on, based on a, a 300 years of uh, no pay for black people at 11 cents an hour. Hell no. See, now, what, now we're, self, we're self-respecting people, and people who are self-defining and self-defending will go get the enemy or the former slave master's grandchildren or the colonizer, and, and he tell you because they're the ones who perpetuated the damage, and you allow them to tell you what the damages are going to be. Yeah, see, I, I, and, and, I think, and see, I think that's, that's the, see, that's some of that is ADOS. No, and, no, I, no I, the, what I'm telling you is I understand that part about the ADOS. I think that the the, the disconnect is coming from the well, there, I, I, I guess, I guess, I guess you just said, you but, said but, it. The, it comes from the CARICOM, right? It comes, cause, cause I'm in these gra- groups and these chats and I hear yes, it too. Yeah. And, but I also got your book. So now that's what I realized some of that's enemies on fire because they don't have exactly. the actual numbers and the variables, but they do have yeah. the fact that, hey, there was a CARICOM and there's a whole group that's fighting European. They're doing their thing yeah. with their people on their side. Why come we can't do the same for those, for, for because it always, like you said, there's no nobody trying to get the reparations now, right? Yeah. But we know historically in America, anytime something comes down the pipe for black people, yeah, everybody gets it except for the original, the descendants of the slaves of the black people. Well, well Even, brother, that's everything. why you that's why you had to develop a framework to yeah. begin with. Yeah. That's what they didn't do in in, in right. uh, California, right? Brother, again, they challenged them on it, brother. Where was the framework? Where was the study that y'all had done? Whether the, where was the population that you were targeting? And then again, at, at what, and then specifying what period in time they didn't do any of that. Only thing that they said is that you got to prove yourself to be lineage. And then too, there was a very weak definition of what you're saying. Lineage. And, and you know why they did that so, too? They also did it for some of those well, they did who it, like brother, check white. Like, you know, you have Afro Latinos who yeah. check white on all their censuses, right? Yeah, yeah. And let a, let a decision come down that says, Hey, you know, if you're black, yeah. you get a check. Oh, work. Let me check black then. Like you have, but, but, but see, but, brother, brother, but here's the problem with that though. Mm-hmm. That's not the masses of black people in California who are doing that. Brother, do you know that the Japanese people got got reparations, but there were people who who were not born in the United States, but because they were interned after World War II and their property was was taken, they they didn't say, well, you know what, we're eliminating all these Japanese that are here. And whether they're on the West Coast in uh, on California or whether they're on the East Coast uh, in New York, mm-hmm. uh, all of them were eligible for reparations, brother. If their property was taken, if they were put in, in internment camps, uh, if they were denied uh, education uh, opportunities and everything else. But now we say that finally blacks uh, awoke, awake enough that we're going to do with reparations. So now, you know what, we will put all these damn uh, restrictions. Right. So it ended up being nobody at all. But what so, about, what about the freedmen's? Like they say, 
enslaved black people and people who black people well, who well, are see, free I, I in America. I don't have a problem with, with the Freedman piece, okay. but he, he is one of the problems with it is that they have taken a conservative position that uh, anybody, uh, any immigrants, we, we anti-immigrants. And here's the other thing that, the, um, and, and I'm saying that I heard this out of Tariq Nasheed's mouth mm-hmm. in the interview he did. He said, well, you know what? We first off, before we get any reparations, we going after African people that owe us. See, that is a diversionary tactic. There are some Africans who participated in the enslavement and the trafficking. I don't call it the transatlantic slave trade. No, because trade sanitized a very violent and very volatile uh, atrocity that happened to our people. That's the transatlantic enslavement and trafficking of black people. And at the end of the day, uh, brother, the problem is to say go after Africans first. Well, brother, there were some few Africans that were involved. But you can't show me no one piece of data or research from any scholar that show you whether masses or five to ten African countries on the continent that participated in the enslavement. Yeah, there were some who made who benefited. But hell, there were some Jews that participated, went along with Hitler. But still, the Jews got reparations. And so what I'm my, my argument is that bring me into the scholars. Yeah, yeah. Bring. Thank you, brother. All praises due to Allah. But at the end of the day, let's. um Let's 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 not allow all of that criteria first but until we develop the framework. There will be blacks that we will have to eliminate and then there would be some blacks that will get reparation, but they won't get give, give an example. We got brothers and sisters. It's not for you and I and, and brother here. We have been privileged. But what about the people who have been systematically locked out, locked under and locked in who have never got an opportunity? Brother Pookie and Ray Ray and Shenanian. That's who who we're fighting for reparations because they have been systematic like that. All of them may deserve free vocational training, brother, free college education. But there are blacks who came to me yesterday. Some of the bourgeois sector said, well, brother, I, I don't need re- reparations because, brother, I got my education. Yeah, you did. But the masses of our people never got that opportunity. And that's who reparations and is. And you know what? And that's it right there. I think that the yeah. same, the same, Issue and that's, that's the with the black, that yeah, the same issue it's, it's with the, the black bourgeoisie is the same with the, I guess you could say immigrant bourgeoisie, bourgeois, because there the are some, from. there are some immigrants who are on our side. Yep. I'm not talking about those, but I yep. think he's just hitting the nail on the head. You it's the bourgeois right. class in both sides. Exactly. Absolutely. That's, that's where you see the fight is, brother, because we're talking about the working class people now yeah. who, who yeah. got to get up and go make it happen every day, who living from paycheck to paycheck, mm-hmm. uh, bottom line, brother. And my thing is too, there will be some some Africans uh, who have migrated here and the Caribbeans here who will benefit from reparation. You know how they're going to benefit from it, brother? When complete reparation, we're going to see the damn homeless rate go down in America mm-hmm. and here in Atlanta. You're going to see uh, the fact that HBCUs now have endowments that will sustain them. See, we don't need no more gymnasium, no football uniforms. We need some money in the endowments that will sustain and make sure that we we successful for the remainder of the 21st century. So there will be some Caribbeans who will benefit from that, brother. When we start talking about public and mental health in America, you'll see that we'll start to eliminate that problem with complete reparations. Anything else is, is we talking is a political and economic patchwork if it's not complete reparation. But that's how. But brother, you you make a good point, but and I can prove that in no limit of time. Again, the, that fighting. That started with the with the black book. That's not the working people, brother. Yeah, and yeah. so the more we communicate yes, with them, yeah. uh, brother Eldridge, one of the things that my students are, are generally not for reparations when I'm teaching until they see that PowerPoint presentation. I say from the beginning of the class, if there's 30 people in the class, how many of y'all agree with reparations? Two or three hands will go up. But once they see, brother, that, that we have a declaration, they see that we know what we're talking about. It ain't just theory. This is something that's attainable. At the end of the class, 80 or 90% of the students say, oh, 
Professor Miami, I got you on that. This, this damn hell, this makes sense now. Yeah. I didn't know what you were talking about at first. You didn't clearly define it. Who owe us, why they owe us, how much they owe us, and why reparations is essential for all of America. And again, we got to eliminate that fight, brother, and we're working on that. We got a, uh, we got a summit coming up in November that all of the, uh, we will bring everybody to the table and even members of ADOS. And if they, and see, this is how you always know, brother, if, if some of them are agents or some of them don't want it to work. Brother, if you and I, it's like a marriage. If there's going to be some disagreement in the marriage, mm-hmm. but if our motivation is correct, brother, we're going to find some common ground that we'd be successful. And that's, and that's what I'm saying. Like, in, in this, ground, brother. Yeah, right, that, right, that's right. what I think has to happen. Cause like this, yeah. this right here, this dialogue, and that's yeah. why I'm talking to you about yes, it. Sir. Cause a lot of times there is on top of the bourgeois, there yeah. is an intergenerational gap yep, absolutely. where you do have people who are fighting in the civil rights and doing this, yeah. right? But then you have the young people who, yeah. I think the issue comes with the young people where if you did all that fighting and you did so much, why am I still fighting? Right, exactly. Why am I still, if you did what you were supposed to do? So See, clearly that's, that's it didn't work. Argument. So now let me do what yep. I think going to work. Yep. Well, the, well, the thing you is, get what I'm saying? And that's, that's a good argument and it's a good position. Historically, brother. it's always been yeah. that way. Yeah. You, you, King wouldn't have done what he did if Snick wouldn't have pushed him Absolutely. to go there. Yep, Mandela right. wouldn't have done what he did. If the uh, Soweto uprising, the, uh, when you start about Steve Biko well, and Black, yeah. Conscious, yeah. Black Consciousness Movement, yeah. if they wouldn't have did what they did, yeah. ANC Yep. When to start blowing up them bridges and being yep. more revolutionary. So young people, because what happens is when you're born from a seasoned season person, yep. you're fighting from your origin. Good you know point. what I'm saying? Good so point. you're thinking about, man, I've been fighting. I've been doing this for 30 years, yeah. right? And in 30 years, we don't came this far and you've seen growth. Young person, you come in to fight like, that's all we done did. <laughs> Cause we know where we want to go. We Man. all know where well, to we, go. We, we can't watch immigrants coming across the border and like all these on the Mexican border in the United States. Here's 1.9 trillion. Ukraine, well, here goes 40 thing, trillion. But and we're like, well, is, hold on. It, the check can get cut. Sorry, old school. Y'all was marching. Y'all was yep, cool. Yeah. We're going to do it our way. Here's yep. the issue. Here's the issue. And, with that. and there's rare, there's rarely any respect because it's also like, when you're talking about the MLK and the SNICs, yeah, there was a level of respect there. There's no respect either way. Old people aren't respecting the young, yeah. and the young aren't respecting here's the old. Here's the issue on but this. But that's show. why our job is, is to do what we do. And, and yeah, and right. here's yeah. the issue on that. Yeah. Young people do come in like that. Young people come in to fight, and we're like, yeah. hold on. Because we all know what the final goal is. Yep, yeah, and exactly. we know, And we all know our current position. Yeah, exactly. What they don't know is what's been done to get us in this current position. Yeah. So what happens is you coming in talking about, oh, well, let's do it our way. And the oppressor knows that mindset is there too. So now if I can fund some of those young people or new people to come in and be a distraction. And, and agent, one thing about it, we've seen the power of COINTELPRO. Yep. One, it's like y'all ever played a video game against somebody? You're like, man, that's your only move. That's what you you keep doing that move to beat us, man. When they seen how good that shit were, the Black Panther, like the Black Panthers, you know how they say? I can't even remember the number. They said every hour, every second, there was a new Panther being like multiple Panthers being uh, started and growing. Same thing with A and C. Like people were coming and just joining, being a part of this movement. Yeah. But then with A and C. They start arresting folk. Yep. They start, man, I was in the, uh, apartheid museum and they'll show you the activists. They show you how old they are. Then they'll show you their alleged, uh, cause of death. Mm-hmm. 
because they would question you for 15, 30, 200 days. Yeah. And when you finally don't give them nothing, they throw you out the window and say, you committed suicide. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if you do this to enough activists, yeah. you do this to enough people. Yeah. After a while, I'm like, yeah, man. I'm with that movement shit, but (laughs) (laughs) exactly. That's it. Hey, them niggas ain't really get too far. If you think about the Panthers, you know, if I'm the Panther, right? If I'm part of the Panthers and I see what they did to Fred Hampton at 20, what? Yeah. 21. Yeah. A 21 year old, the president of the United States himself created a program, had this man assassinated. Yep. So if I'm like, yeah, you know, that leather look cool. And and that was a history history of all the organization. And that's what we've learned, brother. And that's why, brother, we, we, that self criticism has to be in all the organization. We got to be able to, that self criticism so we correct it and we don't fall victim to it again. You got to know, you got to know, all all, my point was, a long way of saying was, you got to know that move has worked. Yep, it is. Agents. No, but and I, our I, agents have worked and it's still working. No, no, that's, that's right too. But I think brother Muhammad, I think you just said it. The yep. cure to that yep. is that there needs to be some type of self criticism that can happen within ourselves yep. to get right. Because to your point, yep. I was just on the Twitter space two days ago yep. and there was a big blow up between ADOS, FBA and secure the tribe. Yep. And they had to figure it all out because basically the, the, the old school came in and said, look, it's all just about being black first. I yeah. don't care you from the Caribbean. Yeah. I don't care if you're a Christian. I don't care if you're Muslim. Listen, are you black first? Wherever you at, that's a common does, denominator. Does your, does your movement help you move black first? And I think that that should be the code, period. And, and but but brother, thing, you, and brother, and I agree with you 100%. Yeah. If, when I walk out this door and it's not even see you for a month, I'm going to still agree with that position. That's the, that's the common denominator that we all unite from. And that's the and issue. And then we start building from. That's the issue when you start looking at all the other movements. Any movement at root is disrupting the organization of black people, yes. there's an issue. Mm-hmm. At, at root, if you're at, at root of your movement is dis- causing us to, sh- so we busy. Again, he said they only been five years. Yeah. So Colt and Cobra been here 30, 40? Yeah, 30, over 30 years. Yes, sir. Yeah, 30, 40 years fighting against the white man. So we out here swinging out of nowhere. God damn. Like, <laughs> nigga, help us fight here. Yeah, exactly. We no. gonna- no, it's like that, but it also has to be some self-criticism and keeping it real with the young people. Yeah. And when the young people come to Incroba and say, hey, yeah. y'all got some agents in there too yeah, that y'all need to root out. Don't turn around and say, no, nah, no, we don't. Y'all just, no, no, no. Keep it real with the young yeah. people. Say, no, you're right. It was some agents. Yeah. So let me show you how to get the agents out of your organization yep, because absolutely. they don't come in yours too. But that's not the dialogue is always on some, you know, just listen. Nah, yeah, we, yeah. we passed that. We well, passed brother, that. that's why the, uh, the Indaba that's coming up, the Indaba means the great sitting down. And um, which is a summit. We have that coming up in November. Everybody's invited. Last year, it was at the Atlanta University Center. We had over 40 organizations that took part of it. ADOS was invited. Uh, and then there was there was a problem there because ADOS, give an example. And I'm, I'm going to give you an example how petty sometimes when you just came on to the movement. Well, we featured um, black, uh, 10 black women who historically and currently are who have who have affected and impacted the reparations movement from Callie House. She's really the first 
black woman to organize the, a mass of people in the early 1900s, long before social media and all. She had hundreds of thousands of people in her organization. She's the first to push the federal government to say, you owe us. Okay. Well, anyway, we had this uh, feature uh, PowerPoint presentation and, and my wife did the, uh, and, uh, and I gave her 10 black women who had impacted the movement. And so the argument after the reparations uh, summit last year will say, why was Yvette Carnell not featured in the, uh, in the, in the, um, in the PowerPoint presentation? She put reparations on the map for black people. I said, you out of your damn mind. She, she put reparations on the, she just jumped yeah, on she the definitely did not. She definitely yeah. did not. And I yeah. said, first off, brother, we gotta be, I said, brother, when you, when you're self-respecting, I said, we featured 10 black women who have a, an extensive body of work. Yvette Carnell will tell you she didn't have a body of work. Brother, that's like uh, saying that um, that um, we don't recognize no, no no great body of work of Dr. Omari Obadeli uh, or Queen Mother Moore. We're going to put her in the category with Yvette Carnell and she laying up with some damn white woman somewhere and married to a white woman and she's going to lead the reparations movement for our people. And we know we can show you where she has been funded by a very conservative group long before she got to reparations. So they see reparations coming. So they're in a sense brothers and sisters into the movement brother and so you mad because we don't feature Yvette Carnell with a Queen Mother Moore or a Dr. Dorothy Benton Lewis or um, uh, what's the what's sister's name out of uh, Natichi uh, Taifa one of the great attorneys out of D.C. right now we ain't talking about just people who dead and gone we talking about current black women in their 30s and 40s in the movement and you want Yvette Carnell to be featured in that you mad with me and the, and the national reparation movement I said come on brother now we, we gotta be be See, it's silly stuff like that. And so they come in and attempt to disrupt a meeting with 40 people from different organizations because Yvette Carnell is not featured in the in a presentation. Yeah, see, that's petty. See, real, but this is kind of bullshit shit that they be doing, brother. I'm going to be honest with you. What I want to do, too, for, for the listeners listening, because yeah. um, one, I love... Mm-hmm. I love Reggie. Reggie, a bad yeah. man. He's a boy. bad boy, man. No, bad just, man. No, I, you know, I appreciate but, it because this, like, the, the discourse that we're having right now is the common discourse that is going on on Twitter, going on on YouTube, going on in these podcasts. It's starting to settle because the conclusion is, are we black first? If you, yeah. if we can both we're, say we're we black, black first, exactly. let's go ahead and move. But see, the issue is the ADOS, the Yvette Carnell. Unfortunately, she's not black force and she's been exposed yeah. to not be that. And then, brother, she brings a white woman to their national convention, their very first national convention. Her name was Marion Williamson. She was a presidential candidate. And Marion Williamson said, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with black people getting $200 billion in reparation. Now, how are you going to bring the former slave master's grandchildren and tell you what the, what, what the damages are going to be? What they comfortable with. And, and she, now she's the keynote at their national and they're giving her applause, brother, yeah. and, as if, you know, and she just jumped on. She's been Oprah's spiritual guide, uh, uh, guide, uh, for the last, uh, two decades. Yeah. But now all of a sudden she's, uh, you're going to put her in the front of the reparations movement. Brother, see, this is a kind of nonsense and the pettiness. But brother, going back to your point, the, the Indaba that's coming up, the summit is coming up. You will be invited at the table, brother, because your voice, brother Eldridge, that's how we, we, cause my thing is about solutions. Brother, my critique and criticism of the movement, brother, I've been one of the worst critics of the movement because I've always said, brother, how is it that y'all have a movement for a hundred years and y'all ain't done, this is all the far y'all got. Y'all ain't got white folks to really seriously give y'all and consider reparations. Damn, well, how, what, what are y'all doing? See, that same criticism that's from the youth. So, brother, 
Brother Perry, I'm going to tell you, uh, at the campus, they said, well, uh, Professor Muhammad, if that's your criticism, well, what do you say is missing? I said, you ain't got no model and no methodology for doing what you're doing. You say you're going to build a skyscraper, nigga, you ain't got no blueprint. You ain't got no model to do it, so you're just talking. And that's why I'd say why I love you for this. Hey. I love you for this, but not only because is it knowledgeable, it is digestible. Now, look, I mean, y'all see out there, now this... Pookie can read this. <laughs> we talk, Pookie can read this. You know what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of us are online listening to these reparation conversations and we're leaning on personality and not facts. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know what? I follow this person. What they say is sounding good. We're not fact checking any of it and we don't know what it is. So this right here, let it be the beginning. Now, that, like you said, there's a hundreds of books yep. you can find on reparation. There's plenty of scholars that have wrote pieces, white pages on uh, reparation. But this is something that is going to point you in the right direction, a rabbit hole of it. It's just yeah. a framework, and we build on that framework. But again, I make no no apology, brother. We're going to invite everybody again to the table because if you're sincere, you're going to come. Brother Elder is going to come. You're going to come. And some sisters that y'all know who who going to say, Muhammad, wait a minute. You could have added another point. We got 19 points in there in the declaration. And, and I'm going to say, you know what? The consensus is, okay, yeah, we should add another two points to that because maybe we did miss something. See, we're building now. See, that's how that's how you start to build that unity. And unity doesn't mean necessarily mean uni- uniformity. I didn't ask you to come join the Nation of Islam. I didn't ask you to come uh, join the new Black Panther Party. Uh, or the uh, the African study group. No, I'm saying that we all agree that we black folks and we deserve complete reparations. And and so and that's how we that's how we go overcome this, brother. And we gonna secure. We gonna lock reparations down in the next five to seven. Oh, years. for sure. Oh, yeah. for sure. Uh, I definitely can see that. Um, it's been great. It's been great. Um, I really appreciate y'all brothers for coming for this time. I do want to uh, call to action to the people out there, man. This weekend, you're about to get a lot of flyers. Mm. You're about to get a lot of invitations. Mm -hmm. You're going to get a lot of people telling you to come to what they're calling their Juneteenth celebration of Jubilee. I'm be real. I got a couple of questions I need you to ask them is how long have they been doing it? Yeah. Um, And on this podcast publicly, I got to give homage to Bob. Uh, with the Juneteenth Festival. I will be out there at least Friday and Saturday. It's a three-day festival. He's in Centennial Park. Um, a great, it's a beautiful display of, of the black community. You know what yes, I'm saying? Sir. Like, okay. hey, you can't even get African drummers this weekend. Could have, <laughs> yeah. Bob got all of them. Joe, yeah. Bob yeah. got yeah. all Look, of them. Between Bob and like every little city having their own yeah, Juneteenth. Yeah, yeah, I right. seen Clarkston. I seen Lawrenceville. Yeah, yeah, I seen yeah. Snell. Every, yeah. every, yeah. this yeah. Saturday, yeah, this weekend. When yeah. I went to South Africa, African I, I brought back two <laughs> more drums because I got to do my own drumming this weekend. You can't even get no African drummers. It'll be one beat on but you know, <laughs> ask, ask them how long have ask them how long have they done it? Okay. Ask them how they educating the people. Yeah, you know, because all this is about to be about education, right? Yeah. And then, uh, lastly, ask them how are the com- how is the community benefiting from That's this event? That's it. Those three questions you should ask somebody about this, because uh, I don't want you to waste a moment. Good point. I don't want you to waste a moment because Juneteenth is this, this ain't 4th of July. This ain't Cinco de Mayo. This ain't, uh, 
St. Patrick's Day is more spiritual than that. You know what I'm saying? For us as a people, this is truly a day for our us to honor our ancestors. And I don't want you to waste that day on a party somebody doing because you offer work on Monday. So I really want y'all to take it serious. And I'm putting out the opportunity for the Juneteenth Dashika party. Whether my party, we've been doing this for six years. We don't had well, we ain't never had three, only three people show up, but <laughs> we would do it. If it was three people or 3,000, because I do this for me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to celebrate my ancestors on this day in a way where I'm satisfied. When I lay down on Juneteenth night, I'm going to lay down with a smile on my face because I know I did something for my ancestors that they couldn't do because they didn't make it. To this day, I gotta have it. Yeah, I gotta. Have it. I celebrate them. So I'm inviting y'all out. We'd love for y'all to be here. Bring your dashikis. Uh, if you don't have one, go to the Afrocentric Network. Afrocentric Network in the West End. Uh, check the link in the bio. We'll put a link to their store and their address. You can go. If you tell them you go into the party, you will get a discount. Shout out to C. Shea and Miss Margaret. We love y'all for everything y'all do and all the support y'all give us. But this weekend, man, I'm super excited. I want every black person to get outside, every black person to represent black pride and dignity. So wear, wear your dashiki, wear your uh, shirts with your black power fist. Yeah. On this day, I want y'all to really allow our people to see us at our best. Yeah. I want our people to see us on our best. So, brothers, can y'all tell the people how they can find y'all and connect with y'all? Yeah, I, I first want to thank you all, brother, for being so consistent and making sure that you were able to serve our people in this capacity. This becomes, this is how we connect the next generation, but this is how we overcome that culture crisis by actually applying what we know, brother, and making sure that the community is connected. And I just want to thank brother Fred Parham, and I want to thank you, brother Eldridge, and the entire crew that worked with you all behind the scenes, logistically. People don't see what it takes to put this on, but brother, we're just grateful and appreciative. And I'm going to be there, brother. You know, I'm not just going to talk about it, but I'm going to be there to help celebrate whatever I can do, uh, if it means uh, stacking chairs, uh, getting set up. That's how we do it, brother. And I'm just pre- appreciative and grateful. We will be there. And if you like to contact us, please uh national reparations institute.org, national reparations institute.org or info. You can email us at info um info uh national reparations institute.com. So anyway, uh thank you all brother. Man, right now just hit me at juneteenthparty.com. I see you on the block. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Juneteenthparty.com, yeah. get your tickets. The block party is free. The after party has a charge to it, but it is yeah. open bar. It's a dope only. It's a good vibe. It's a good yeah. time. We gotta make sure Red's got a booth, man. We gotta get them books out. Oh yeah, here. yeah. You got a booth. You yeah, have I was yeah. gonna ask y'all too. Yeah, but, uh, say no more. Please just come. Just okay. Just come Pull set up. up. All yeah. right. And if you leave a voice note, you, know, you yeah. might get something special at yeah, the party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you and if you if you're an entrepreneur, uh, another call. Clip this too. Uh, if you are a black owned business entrepreneur with something to sell and you want to be in front of a conscious community that loves not only black people, but black businesses and they have green dollars for you, holler at me. I want to take care of you and I want you to be here at the Juneteenth party with us. So we love y'all. We need y'all, but most importantly, we can't wait to see y'all next week. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Just Elders podcast. And remember, 
We don't want it tomorrow, next week, next month, or next year. We want reparations now. Just a pastime. City with T.I. Outcast. Ooh, we, everybody know about Atlanta. It's just a cool G. Everybody know about the scammers, about the trappers. And what we living now, it's just that lifestyle. Turn on my podcast. I'm trying to hear the real now. Hear perspective. We only keep it real now. Every day we on the grind. Sometimes it's hard to tune out the outside. Oh, It's just Eldridge, it's just Eldridge. Tune in on the podcast. Tune in on the podcast, yeah. Real things, you know we gon' last, yeah. Kick it back, kick it back, kick it back.